I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Demore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 82, How Should Kids Spend Summer 2022? I feel like I can almost taste summer and I'm realizing I have nothing planned for my children this summer. Nothing. No camps. Nothing. Are you serious? Yeah. I have. What I are just, you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do with your children? I have realized, you know, these camps like fill up very quickly. And I've just mm-hmm. realized I've been just starting trying to stay uh, with my head above the water. I've got to come up with my plan, but I'm kind of like, what do I do? Things are kind of open now, right? We're not locked down. Um, but... I just feel confused, a little confused. Yeah, no, well, first of all, I'll tell you, Rena, it gets a lot easier as your kids get older. Like mm. my 18-year-old, mm-hmm. like she she sets her summer. It's kind of an amazing thing as a parent to just um, say like, so uh, what are you doing this summer? <laughs> and she just, you know, runs down where she'll be working and what she's up to. It's <laughs> it's it's awesome. So that's coming. I just want you to know. What age does that start at? Um, I say last summer. You know, and I'll, bluntly, a lot of last summer was doing stuff related to the college process, mm-hmm. you know, getting herself ready, doing, yeah, um, you know, studying and projects that were connected to that. So it, it's also amazing, though, just because they become so much more autonomous, you know, getting themselves places and having opinions about their time. And um, it's a lot more about, like, when are you coming home mm-hmm. as opposed to how do I fill your days? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are wrapping up our our season two today with a great episode on what we should be focusing on and what kids should do this summer. So I'm taking notes. I'm seriously taking notes on what to do. I have strong opinions on this, Rena. There's five things I want parents to focus on with their kids this summer. Are you ready for them? Ready. Okay. Number one, sleep. (laughs) Mm. 
I feel like we should call this podcast like Ask Lisa, where Dr. Damore talks about the importance of sleep. Like that should be the whole <laughs> podcast title. Um, so let's just start with the basics one more time. High school students need nine hours of sleep a night. Middle school students need 10 hours of sleep a night. And elementary and younger need 11 or more hours of sleep a night. And I have to say, you know, for all of the you know, kind of challenging emotional stuff I am hearing from families and kids about, you know, the last couple of years and how bluntly tired everyone is, I would love for all of us to really use whatever quiet we find in the summer to see how it feels if we sleep as much as our bodies require. I find that hard because this summer I feel like everything goes out the window. Yes. <laughs> and especially yes. in my case where you don't have any structured plans. And it's light really yes. late at night. That's right. So, you know, you may be able to get some, you know, given that you don't have a whole lot structured, your sleep shot is pretty decent here because even though we do often let kids stay up later in the summer, if your kids don't have to be somewhere first thing, they may be able to sleep in. And so really I would look at, you know, what's the summer bedtime going to be? Are your kids able to sleep in so they're able to get the required number of hours? And I would really take advantage of the fact that it's unstructured to give them the feeling of what it really feels like to get an adequate amount of sleep because we want them to know this. We should know this ourselves. And it's hard to make happen in the school year, but summer gives us a chance at this. And so I, I think we should try for it and um, and work with, you know, whatever scheduling we're doing to make it possible. Mm -hmm. So um, sleep is so important. Yeah, I, it just everything unravels without proper sleep. But it's sometimes hard to get your kids into bed and get them up. It is. And so what I would wonder about for your kids is if they're not able to sleep in, and some kids are just, you know, they're young enough where they just pop right up, mm -hmm. to really do the math with them of, you know, it's summer, there's not as many demands on your time, you need 10 hours of sleep a night, you seem to wake up no matter what by 7. So if we look at that, that means you need to be actually falling asleep by 9 and make it a non-negotiable for um, as much of the summer as you can. And if your kid's are getting good sleep, but their clock gets all wonky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like they, they're yeah. like, yeah, we're sleeping from 10 to 8, you know, which is wonderful in the summer. Um, start shifting that clock back before the school year begins, right? It, give yourself August or a little, you know, maybe the second half of August to get them more on a wake-up time for school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But let them sleep this summer. Just let them sleep. Oh, that's good. What's your okay. second advice? So my second one has to do with the narrowing of kids' lives in the pandemic. You know, I think about how so much of growth in young people is contingent on exposure to new things and trying new things and learning new things and doing new things, even if you're not good at them. And, you know, when I think about the last two years, for me, you know, one of the great tragedies is that kids' lives just, you know, they just got so narrowed. Yeah. They just couldn't do things like they used to do things. So with all their free time that your children may have, <laughs> I would tell them they have to learn new skills. Like I would, that would be number two, learn new skills this summer. And so they can get on YouTube and maybe figure out how to juggle. 
They could learn how to um, start cooking. I know families, and I love this, who actually put kids in charge of one or two meals a week mm, for family dinner. That's a great idea. I know, right? And yeah. and it's one of those things. Like it sounds great, and then as a parent, you're like, but it's more work for me, right? In the True. end, it's like it's I don't want to do it because it's more work for me. But so let's take advantage of the summer to tolerate that it's more work for us. That maybe we have more time to put up with the more work for us. And, and really say to kids, like, I need you to go find a recipe. I need you to give me the grocery list. I will get you what you need. I need you to make dinner for us a couple nights a week. So something like that. Or if a kid wants to learn to knit or if they want to learn how to do pottery or if they want to do, you know, learn how to fix a sink, right? I mm-hmm. mean, the beautiful thing about YouTube is any skill a person wants to learn at this mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. can do. True. But I really think we should ask our kids to pick up a new skill this summer. That's such, I never thought of that. That's such a great idea. And you know what? I might join them actually because my family is so into sailing. I don't really like sailing. And so you just got me thinking. I think I might offer that I'll learn to do this. And so I'll join your little club if you guys pick one too. Good for you. Okay, that's good. Now, what age can kids really start, do you think, help with cooking? You know, if they're three, obviously they can't, but you can still sort of say that's your cooking day, And but the adults help. Yeah, I think that. And I think there's also, it's all the parts of cooking, you know, picking out a recipe, like, what do you like? What do you want? And there's some really, you know, wonderful cookbooks for kids. Um, so, you know, maybe getting one of those and saying, you know, pick a few things out of here and we'll we'll make it happen. Um, but I also want it to be the kind of thing where it's not necessarily something that is a huge demand on the parent, right? It may be that you get a pogo stick, right? <laughs> you're like, you're going to learn how to pogo stick, you know, right. with your helmet right. and your, you know, pads on. But um, to go, you know, just get good at something that you weren't good at before, like, or at least try. And it could even be, you know, here's, we, we can get you a hand-me-down instrument. And, mm. and maybe you're going to spend the summer trying to figure out how to play this thing and, you know, watch YouTube videos till you do. And But something that is just um, broadens their engagement with the parts of themselves that have had to be quiet in this pandemic, the part that is curious and expanding and exploring the world, we want that part to um, really live it up this summer. That's great. So that's my second one. Okay. My third one is closely related, which is take safe risks. What? What do you mean? Yeah, I know. So I want <laughs> our kids to be a little riskier this summer, of course, safely. But here's one aspect of the pandemic that makes me worried. You know, when I think about what could some, you know, concerning long term psychological ramifications be. I worry that our kids are going to be overcautious. Mm. You know, they've and, been and that's so not a good close thing? to home. Isn't, yeah. Being overcautious, I mean, I'd rather them be overcautious when they cross the street or their friends yes. ask them to do pot, you know? Isn't <laughs> yes. that a good skill to have, to be overcautious? <laughs> yes, we want them to be overcautious about things where they could really get hurt, 100%. But I am, I don't get concerned easily, but I am concerned that, being so close to home, having a scary virus around us has made kids a bit risk averse um, of the kind of everyday risks that kids should be able to take Mm -hmm. and that parents should be able to tolerate, which is also, you know, that we've got to tolerate it too. And 
that's really, kids are, especially by adolescents, like, they do like novelty, and they do like excitement, and they're built to seek it, and we actually want to encourage that a bit. So the kinds of safe risks I would love to see kids taking are things like maybe trying skateboarding or maybe going camping, right, yeah, or yeah. maybe getting into safe water sports or, um, you know, things that feel a little bit scary in their way. Not dangerous, but a little bit scary. And um, to lean back into that part of themselves that is um, not altogether comfortable and, and getting used to the idea of doing things that are not altogether comfortable and pushing back into that. And there's a few books, if parents are like, what is this? How do I get people? How do I get my kids to take safe risks? There's some books that are kind of fun. So there's a book called 50 Risks to Take with Your Kids. Oh, my gosh. Um, by Daisy Turnbull. And we'll put it in the show notes. And then there's a pair of companion books. And I'll tell you the titles and you'll see immediately why I don't love the titles, but the books are fine. Um, so there's the daring book for girls and there's the dangerous book for boys. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> you see the problem right away, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, and so if we can get past that, we'll just get past that. There are really neat things. And it's like, learn how to build a campfire, learn how to, you know, do all of these things. And so um, learn how to climb a tree, you know, things like that. And what I would say is these same books also probably have some cool skills your kid could learn, right? So this sort of like you can double up on point number two and point number three of like, mm-hmm. learn a new skill, take a risky, do a risky thing safely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, you know, or look up online some things to do that just we've never done before and that feel a little, little bit dicey. Those are the kinds of things that kids should be doing this summer. Wow. I never thought about having them take safe risks, that that would be important or, or, or of any value, really. It's about helping kids expand themselves again. I think that that's, I can't describe it more concretely than that, but I think when I look at the children around me, I'm like, it just, it all got so pared down in terms of what they could do. And I think most kids will be okay and recover onto a normal developmental trajectory, but they're going to need to be nudged. Mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. do more and to do things that are not altogether comfortable. Mm. That's interesting. Um, we're going to take, we're going to pause there for a second, take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the rest of Dr. Lisa's list on how kids should spend summer 2022. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. 
This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herbed squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. We're talking about how our kids should spend this summer of 2022. So what's number four on your list? Okay, so number four on my list is meet new people. <laughs> how do you do that? It's a good question. So, you know, if your kids are going to camp, that's easy, right? Because right. they're going to meet new campers and they're also going to meet new camp counselors. And for me, I didn't say meet new kids. I want them to meet new people. Oh. And so they can be kids and also adults. Um, and in my ideal version of number four, they meet new kids and new adults. And back to that idea of kids expanding, of kids building out who they are, a huge amount of that happens by engaging with people they did not know before and getting to know people they did not know before. And certainly this is true of peers, but also adults, right? Like think about, I don't did you have jobs when you were like a young teenager? Not until I was probably about 16 did I take on a job, really. Yeah, so I always had jobs. Um, my grandmother was a caterer, and oh. so I used to actually go spend a lot of the summer working in her kitchen. Wow. Um, which was not actually the most fun way to spend my summers, <laughs> but it was what I did. And so I, starting at like 12, 13, 14, spent a big chunk of each day cutting carrot sticks with the other people who worked in her kitchen who were largely college-age and adult women, and so just in those conversations with them mm -hmm. and hearing about their lives and their worlds. Um, so I always worked. And then I had a job job starting at 15. I was a, um, a hostess at a restaurant and, you know, had a boss, had, you know, the waiters and waitstaff who were my colleagues. And it's not like I stayed in touch with any of those people, but exposure mm. to a variety of people. And so whether it's through um, work that kids can do, 
you know, and, and that makes sense for them to do, or whether it's through camps they can go to or programs they can do, or whether it's through your religious organization and maybe some of what they offer this summer in terms mm-hmm. of programming for kids that puts them in contact with really thoughtful adults. Like, I would, as parents are weighing, you know, how a child's time gets divided up, if there's an option where they don't meet anybody new and there's an option where they do meet a whole bunch of new people, I would encourage new people in their lives. That's great. That's really great. And what about number five? Okay. So for number five, what I would want is for our children to find a way to be of service, to make themselves useful to the world beyond themselves this summer. And I would be really um, serious about this and put it as a very high priority that may need support from within the family this summer. Um, But it may be volunteering, again, maybe through a religious institution or doing yard work for a neighbor who can't do their own yard work or raising money for a cause they care about or um, finding some way to contribute beyond themselves to the world. How do you do that if your kids are younger? Yeah, no, that's a really good one. So one thing I wonder about, so like younger, you're thinking probably eight and younger. Yeah, exactly. That's hard. Yeah. yeah. So one might be around fundraising, right? The idea of like, let's raise money for something. Mm-hmm. And so then there are things, you know, like lemonade stands right. and, you know, baking things. And like these things always crack me up because invariably the parents fund it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, True. you know, you can... As things get more sophisticated in your child's thinking, they may be able to, you know, budget some money for supplies and then come up with a profit and then figure out where to do that. So that can be a nice thing. And it might let you combine some of these things. Like, you know, you develop your skill as a baker. So that's a skill you're building over the summer. And you're going to turn that skill into a fundraising Mm. effort for something you care about. So you can combine, you know, two and five here. So it may be through that. And it also may be through things like making cards for people. Um, You know, like little kids love making cards. And they make great cards. (laughs) You know, I have have the cards my kid made me, my kids made me like all over the, my office. Like, you know, just, and they like make me so happy because they're so um, kind of, you know, in many ways funny often and really tender. So I wonder about doing things like making cards for people. Um, overseas or making cards for people in hospitals or, you know, those kinds of contributions that really matter. And yet, you know, kids can do. And then as kids get older, we really want to see them understanding that they can contribute and should contribute to the world beyond themselves. Yeah. That's so important, isn't it? I've, I've learned that a lot from you about how giving back can even even in tough times can really help people feel better about themselves. Well, and that's the point, Rena. That's exactly the point, which is, you know, so much of what we're struggling with is that we feel lousy. Like, yes, this has been a really long, hard time. And when we feel bad, it's so often our instinct to, you know, kind of turn our gaze inward. And think about, you know, what would help me feel better? You know, would it be getting a massage? Would it be, you know, yes. eating this wonderful ice cream? Yeah. Would it yeah. be, right. you know, or like the whole wellness universe? And 
And there's nothing wrong with that. But where it stops short, and this is actually thinking I heard about from a religious leader in my community, and I think it's so true, where it stops short is, you know, wellness and all of that, like, it's about the self. And it comes to its limits in terms of, you know, if we're feeling bad because the world's not as it should be, part of how we need to address that is to then think about things beyond ourselves. And then in this, you know, kind of wild magical twist, that actually does help us feel better. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it, mm -hmm. even if we do it for a completely altruistic reason, mm -hmm. the upshot is that we ourselves feel better. So if we're looking for wellness, one of the ways I would encourage people to think about it for themselves and their kids is it's not always by attending to our own needs that we promote personal wellness. Hmm. How do you get it to stick, right? You know, this is something I learned later in adulthood, how important charity is, in, particularly in the pandemic, of, of making you feel better in tough times. How do we get that to resonate with our children? You know, some of what we see when we look at the research is that if it's if it's driven by the family, you know, or if it's done as part of a family um, activity where there's real thought given to, you know, making financial donations as a family or where the kids have say about, you know, where families donate or they think together about it. Um, Ron Lieber, who writes so beautifully about kids and money, talks about when kids um, start to have incomes or are earning money to really get them in the habit of, you know, saving some and spending some and donating some and that there's always some set aside for donation. Mm. So I think a lot if we want to set that idea of, you know, part of how we pay rent on the, you know, for our space in this world is that we are taking care of others, um, to routinize it into aspects of family life, you know, that every you know, December, we sit down as a family and we think about where we want to donate. Um, I know a family that collects all their change all year, and mm. then they spend time thinking about where that money's going to go, and everybody has input on it. And And I think that's really um, part of how we do it. And the piece of this, Rena, that I just, I feel in some ways like pulls all of this together in the ways that we want to pull it together is we want our kids to feel good or to feel good again. You know, it's it's been such a long time that since we've been able to really rest in a sense of feeling some comfort and some ease. And it never lasts long, and we, we can't hope for it to. You know, it'll come and go. But part of how you feel good is you do things you feel good about. And right. service is your... Um, your silver bullet for that. Like, you can't mess up service. Like, you can mess up a game. You can mess up a test. You can even, you know, say something to a friend that you wish you hadn't said. Right. But if you are giving of yourself on behalf of others, you can't get it wrong. And mm. and so, you know, we want kids to go back to the school year feeling full and restored and as whole as they can be. And if they are getting good sleep and if they are learning to do new things and if they're pushing themselves out into the world to take on risks that they haven't necessarily, you know, had a chance to do. And if they are broadening their horizons socially and meeting new people and discovering new parts of themselves in their interactions with those people, yeah. and then they are giving of themselves to the world beyond, they will fill up this summer. And that's what we need to help them do. That's really great. It's really great. 
So when you stand back at this point of time that we're at, I mean, it's been such a long couple of years, right? And and the unexpected, the uncertainty really of it all has been exhausting. What do you really think it's important? I mean, you've given us five great things to look at, but overall, Lisa, this summer, what do you think is something that all families should consider keeping in mind as we approach the summer? I think what summer makes possible is being together in the moment. And it's so corny to say that, Rena, but I really mean it. You know, the way in which things slow down, or I picture you out sailing with your family, right? And as much as you may not love sailing, or you know, may have to get used to sailing, I just, I hope there's times when you're out there where you're like, here we all are, you know, just together out here on the water, you know, with no agenda beyond like eventually getting home, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that for me is what summer means. It's, it's a, there's these like windows where the agenda falls away and we're just together and enjoying each other's company in that moment. And that's what I would really want families to try to make available to themselves is to not be so overscheduled or so busy or so constrained that that gets crowded out, that, um, that there's quiet, agendaless time together as families that, um, that we just enjoy for its own sake. Hmm. Everything is usually always so structured for us in the summers, but that's really good to hear that there's value in, in letting go of the agenda and just being together. Yeah. I think your unstructured summer arena might be annoying at points <laughs> and then also create real possibilities for hanging out, eating ice cream really slowly, mm-hmm. and eventually getting everybody to bed. Mm, I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, I'll report back or, or check out on social media when my hair is falling apart because I have no plan and the kids are on top of me. <laughs> but this this has really been things that I, I didn't expect you to say, which is typical of our podcast when I go into these conversations with you. Um, but so valuable, so valuable. I, I love this, you know, and just to recap, you're talking about the importance of sleep, learning new skills, learning to take safe risks, meeting new people, and being of service. I love that. I love these takeaways. But um, before we go, what do you have for us for Parenting to Go? So we've got our agendas for kids, (laughs) our five (laughs) items. And I think for Parenting to Go, what I'd love is for parents and guardians to think about what would make this a successful summer for them. What would they feel good to have done before summer's end? Because... We want our kids to fill up and feel whole on their way back into the school year. And part of how we can be there for them in the ways that we want to is if we fill ourselves up this summer, too. So you've got your list of five things for kids. But what I would say to parents and anyone taking care of kids is think of two or three things that you would love to make happen this summer and that would nourish you. So as we head back into fall 2022, we have the energy and the sustenance we need to get our kids into another school year. That's really good. I never thought about figuring out things for myself that could help us sort of hit the reset button and recharge. That's great. Absolutely. I can't believe this is our last episode of season two. We covered so many topics this season. I know. It was a good season, and I'm really excited for season three. We've got good stuff planned. We do. We're excited about it, but we want you to know we're going to be reaching out through social media, our Ask Lisa Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn accounts. 
be sure to check them out throughout the summer because there might be live ways to connect with us and keep the conversation going. Wonderful. So I'll see you back sooner than season three, I'm I'm sure, on social media. But thanks so much, Lisa, for all your advice. Oh, Rena, it's my favorite. I love doing this with you. And I'm so grateful for all of our listeners. We absolutely are. Thanks so much. Have a great summer, everyone. Have a great summer. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.